Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Rabbi Zev Parad is back, continuing to share his stunning supernatural journey to Zion. And then a little later, author and pastor Greg Patton will be living in today's world. Whether you're listening on the radio, online, through our SWRC app, or via our podcast, thank you for being here today. And a special thank you to all of our faithful friends. Faithful friends is a special designation for everyone that supports Watchmen on the Wall with a monthly gift. These recurring donations are vital for this ministry to continue. We've been contacted by so many folks from all over the country saying they want to stand with Watchmen on the Wall and support the unfiltered truth that is proclaimed each day. It's so encouraging to know that our faithful friends are helping fund this ministry's worldwide outreach. Would you consider becoming a faithful friend? Get all the details when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can visit the Faithful Friends section of our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com and click on Faithful Friends. Rabbi Zev Parad is back to continue sharing his stunning supernatural journey to Zion and the life-changing treasures he uncovered along the way. Zev Parat is a Messianic rabbi living in Israel with a global ministry that is changing lives for the kingdom of Yeshua. In our previous show, we were discussing his book, Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit. We're going to do that today as well. Zev, thank you so much for being our guest once again. Thank you for having me. Let's start with something that I think is very fundamental and a basic need how is the Chaldean spirit today hindering the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there are a lot of hard people out there. We've all witnessed the people, and it seems like there's a hardness. People say, well, Christianity is wrong. It's not scientific. Christians hate people. They're not, you know, so and so forth. So tell us a little bit about how we can recognize the Chaldean spirit's work in hindering the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, especially here in Israel and around the world, Pastor Larry, you think about the massive amount of believers that come to Israel. You think about the massive amount of believers that are pouring in their prayers, their worship, their finances, their heart here in Israel. But the Jews that don't believe in Yeshua are watching this. They're watching what's happening. And when they see Christians coming to Israel, and they see tour groups coming to Israel and going to the 14 stations, the Viva de la Rose, are going to a Roman Catholic church on the Mount of Beatitudes, and they're looking at their Bible to say, we don't want to hear this gospel. This is not for us. And this is exactly what the Chaldean spirit wants. We need to remember Yeshua was a Jew. The disciples were Jews. Amos, Zechariah, all the prophets were Jewish people. And so in the Bible, the way that the Bible is taught is it's taught through Jewish eyes. It's taught through Jewish prophecies. This is why Yeshua spoke in parables. He spoke about the parables of seeds all the time, because Israel is an agricultural society. This is what they understand. And then they come and they see all these tourist places and all these Catholic candles and all these kind of burials and, right. and places that have nothing to do with the Bible, and then you want to preach the gospel to them. They don't want to hear it. Right. And so this is mm. how the Chaldean spirit is working two ways. He's working one way to deceive the very elect, if possible, as the Bible says. And Daniel 7.25, he will seek to change times and seasons. That's exactly what he's doing. And he's working to deceive the other way 
the ones who don't believe in Jesus, not to come into the gospel because they don't want it. And so that's how the, this Chaldean spirit is working. This is why it's so important that people understand where are the true locations where Yeshua really stepped, really was born, really was crucified. Because if we know this, we can tie it in with Scripture, and we can be a witness also. Well, you actually say in your book that the biblical sites have been sullied by greed, commercialism, and opportunism. And so you say you prayed, God, show me the truth. Show me the real footprints of Yeshua. Now, where did that lead you? As I said, when I got saved, I started to go to the, all the biblical sites that everybody goes to, and then it was a red light for me. When I went to the 14 stations, there was the Church of Nativity over there. Yes. And so Lynn and I, me and my wife, both saw a demon floating in the air in that church. And so when I went over there and I saw the tomb of Yeshua, what's claimed to be the tomb of Yeshua, I didn't want to go in there. Hmm. I saw darkness. I saw the candles. Right. I saw that black priest over there. And so I told... Yeshua, and I told my wife I'd never come back to this place again. When I'm asked to go there, Pastor Larry, with other groups to teach, or to, I say, I don't go there, that place is demonic. That led me on a journey, a six-and-a-half-year journey of digging through the Scriptures, physically going to the sites, and finding places where I believe, based on Scripture, Yeshua was crucified, Yeshua was born, the place of the skull, all of it is documented in my book, Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit, and so we can see right there that this spirit has deceived so many people, and it's continuing to deceive many people. People like to ask me, how come if the Jewish people are so much against Jesus, why are they allowing all these sites to be right. occupied? Well, first of all, the Jewish people don't care about the Roman Catholic sites. Number two, the Israeli government sells the territory for these sites to the highest bidder. Who's the highest bidder? Usually it's the Roman Catholic Church. Wow. You mentioned the Roman Catholic Church. Recently, Pope Francis assured atheists, he said this, he said, you don't have to believe in God to go to heaven. And he actually wrote to a leading Italian atheist that non-believers would be forgiven by God if they follow their consciences. If I were a Catholic, and I'm not, I used to be, but if I were a Catholic, I'd be very, very unhappy about that. This is the compromised Bible. This is the fake Bible, what Paul speaks about, if me or an angel teach a different gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. We're yeah. seeing a different gospel all over the world right now, not just through the Roman Catholic Church. And it's important that I emphasize the word Roman Catholic Church, because yeah. a lot of times people like to ask, am I saying that Catholics are not saved? Anybody can be saved if they give their heart to Yeshua, to Jesus. We're speaking here about the Roman Catholic Church, right. and it's very important to emphasize that. Right. The organization, in fact... I had mentioned that we have a church in Pakistan, and in Pakistan, I found many Catholics, they say they're Roman Catholics, but they love Jesus, and we talk about the Bible and so forth. And so I think when you mention the Roman Catholic Church, like you say, we don't want to condemn every Roman Catholic or every Catholic, but they sometimes, and I've seen it, we've had a couple of crusades in different cities in Pakistan, and Catholics would come to me and embrace me and would say, I love Jesus. And Praise the Lord for the cross and for the blood of Jesus. So I think that's a good distinction. Now, let's talk about the Chaldean spirit and the book of Revelation and our own prophetic days. And I'm thinking, you know, Revelation 17, Revelation 18, and what's happening at the present time. Tell us how that all fits in. Revelation 17, the name written on our forehead was Mystery Babylon, yes. the great mother of prostitutes and abominations on the earth. And so... Mystery Babylon, what's Mystery Babylon? Mystery Babylon, that's the Chaldean spirit. God told Daniel, do not 
seal up or do not roll up, depends on the translation, in Hebrew it says do not roll up this Megillah, this scroll, until the end time, for the mystery of the end time has not yet come. What's that mystery? Part of that mystery is unmasking the Chaldean spirit, finding out what mystery Babylon is, the mother of harlots. And so this is exactly what Satan doesn't want. The Bible says that he masquerades, he has a mask on him, and he's trying to do everything he can to continue to mask the church, to mask the believers, so they won't see the true gospel. And so right now we're seeing this spirit of mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, all through the land sweeping. It's been like that since the time of, of Yeshua and even before, but it's, as you mentioned, in the United States and in Israel and other places in the world, we've never seen a demonic outpouring like we're seeing right now. Why? Because Satan knows that his time is near. His time is numbered. And so he's going to pull out his last ammunition right now to do everything he can. We're seeing it through the Pope, as you just mentioned, that anybody can be saved. You don't need to confess Yeshua as Lord and Savior. Just be saved right. by your own conscience. Do what's good for you. Same thing's happening here in Israel. Right now, the government here in Israel just said that if you want to have an abortion, you can have an abortion. Mm, wow. uh, it's not legalized yet, but they allow it. That's so terrible. You know, when I think of Israel, I think of, quote, the Holy Land. And, of course, <laughs> that, that's a common expression. But to see that this is happening even in Israel, yet in places like Pakistan and in some of the areas of, of Egypt, people are seeing Jesus as the Savior, as the eternal Son of God. Indeed, God is not bound. Man has boundaries. Man has walls. And I like to think out of the box. When I think out of the box, then I'm thinking with God, because God is bigger than any box we create. And sometimes in our theologies, which are so erroneous and so unbiblical, we put God in a little box, and then we walk by him, and we we leave God out. But this is very, very significant. I'm so glad that you spoke about uh, you and Lynn near the, I think it was near the exit of the Holy Sepulchre. You saw a woman dressed in black with a dark hood covering her hair. She had no discernible body inside the clothing. She was sitting and floating on the air. Wow, this is absolutely amazing, but it's demonic. It's dark. It's evil. And so many people are being fooled by it. Absolutely. And she looked right at us and she smiled. I'll never forget it. As we draw closer to the end of the age, and as more and more society becomes depraved, it would seem that the Chaldean spirit has greater and greater liberty to work in places where it never could work before, like in America. At one time, America was known as a civilized nation, but the degree of evil that is proliferating now, I see it that our hedge of protection has been taken down. We have been invaded. So let me ask you the $64 question. What can believers in Yeshua, who believe the Bible, who believe the power of the blood, what can we do to stand strong? I mean, this evil is like a tidal wave. How can we stand strong and survive that? And I'm thinking especially about our kids. So many kids today go to public school. They're confused. They don't know what they believe. They get into immorality. They smoke pot and so on. What can we do to stand strong and to keep ourselves pleasing God and living for Jesus. Tell us some of the things that you would recommend. Well, first of all, the Bible is clear. It says to test everything. It means that when, when I speak something or anybody speaks something, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what the Word of God says. So it matters. Make sure that what you, when you're hearing something, to look at the Scripture, to test the Spirit, to test the Word of God. Because without the Word of God, it's very hard to overcome this world. And right. the Bible says, and they overcame by the testimony of their faith and the blood of Yeshua, the blood of Jesus. So my recommendation is, first of all, to be grounded in the Word of God. If we're grounded in the Word of God, we can 
give that to our children, teach our children, teach our family the biblical principles, how to overcome things in the world. You mentioned public school. We have the same problem here in Israel. When you have believers that come into faith and they send their children to public schools here in Israel, and so again, just like in the United States, because if one thing Israel, especially the secular part of Israel, tries to copy the United States, I don't know if you know that, but they're always trying to copy the United States, and so (laughs) they're copying this part, which is not good. That's my recommendation, to be grounded in the world, to test everything, not to be deceived by this Chaldean spirit. First of all, you have to recognize that there is a Chaldean spirit. Right. You have to recognize that he's here to occupy territory that's not his. What's territory that's not his? It's your family, it's your ministry, it's yeah. your house, it's your children. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes. This spirit has no boundaries. But the good news is that a lot of times people need to recognize that no matter how much this spirit is deceptive and moving through history, it's limited. It's limited to the power that God gave him. Hmm. If you're under the blood, he really can't, he can disturb you, but he really can't touch you. Right. We could go on for hours and hours, but there's a question that I guess it's related. I wanted to personally ask you. Now, personally, I rather liked Benjamin Netanyahu, along with, I think, many other Christians, many other evangelicals, but some Jews are rather unhappy with him. Help us to understand, because like I say, he drew the line, you know, <laughs> he, he knew the danger of Iran, he wasn't fooled. So why are some Jews, maybe even many Jews in Israel, unhappy with Benjamin Netanyahu? That's also part of the Chaldean history. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu is not an angel. Some think that he may be a believer, I don't know. I don't think he is. He's kind of like Donald Trump, you know. Donald yes. Trump also was chosen <laughs> by God to be the President of the United States. He was chosen to be the Prime Minister of Israel. Both men are not angels, but both men love Israel, both men support Israel, both men have Israel in their best heart. And so the Chaldean spirit is even operating here on the left side of the Israeli government through people here in Israel as well that are going against Benjamin Netanyahu. Why? Because they want, the Chaldean spirit wants to divide the land of Israel. He wants to divide the land of Palestine. In fact, Pastor Larry, there is no such thing as the land of Palestine. You know what Palestine means in Hebrew? It's Plishtim. The word Plishtim right. means occupiers. Right. So when you say the land of Palestine, you're saying the land of the occupiers. <laughs> right. Goliath was a Philistine. He was a Palestine, if you want to say it in English. He was an occupier. And so we see the Chaldean spirit trying to occupy territories that are not theirs. And even someone that stands with Israel, whether he's a believer or not, like Benjamin Netanyahu, is being attacked by these evil spirits yeah. through people. That's the reason. I would agree with you on that. Now, brother, tell us about... Ezekiel chapter 28. I believe you call it a compound prophecy. It's actually a prophecy against the king of Tyre, but it speaks about the fall of Satan. And what about the array of musical instruments that adorn Satan's unfallen condition? It does not escape the attention of the majority of biblical scholars. And then you talk about the phantom of the opera. Wow, I want to hear you talk about that a little more. So just as the Lord leads. Well, Ezekiel 28 speaks about Tyre, but it's really a compound prophecy. It's speaking about Satan, about his fall, about how he was a worship leader, how he was in heaven a cherub. And so we see that that fall is the demons, the Chaldean spirit, because it says that Satan fell with his demons. And so we speak about the Phantom of Opera. It talks about a young lady whose parents wanted her to be in music, and she thought that when she met the Phantom of Opera, it was that teacher that came to teach her, but in reality it was an evil spirit, you know, trying to occupy her for his own selfish 
purposes, which I believe is Satan. It's the story of Satan, the story of demons as Chaldean yes. spirit. It's all documented in the book on masking the Chaldean spirit, Pastor Lair, and I encourage people to read those chapters. Tell us about Isaiah 14. You say English translations use the word Lucifer and treat it as a proper name. Lucifer, is that a proper name? Well, first of all, the name of Lucifer is, is a Latin translation. Mm-hmm. It's not his name. Satan's name is not Lucifer. And in Isaiah 14, especially in the original Hebrew, it doesn't use the word Lucifer. The reason that a lot of translations say that is some translations say Lucifer, some say Morning Star, some yeah. say Lucifer or Morning Star, depending on the translations. But in Hebrew, it doesn't use the word Lucifer. It doesn't use the word Morning Star. Morning Star can only be Jesus, can only be Yeshua. It can't be that Lucifer or Satan and Yeshua are the Morning Star. That's mm-hmm. an inaccurate translation. A lot of it has to do because of the Hebrew nuances. I mean, scholars may know Hebrew very well, but if you don't know the nuances, yes. you miss the accurate translation. And so in Hebrew it says, Oh, how you have fallen, Shachar ben Halel. And Shachar ben Halel in Hebrew is translated, Don, son of worship, hmm. or son of worship, Don. That's what it says. They when The translators call it Lucifer, son of the morning, or the morning star. And that's impossible because God is using Isaiah 14 not to raise Satan up, but to actually chastise him, to yeah. say, okay, you've fallen. You want it to be God. You want it to be the worship leader. I cast you out as a profane thing. I threw you out of the garden. And so Isaiah 14 is not here to raise Satan up. It's here to show that Satan has fallen. But Satan, the Chaldean spirit, is trying to mask that and to raise himself up by calling himself the morning star. Mm. Morning star can only be Yeshua, can only be Jesus. The question has to be asked, Pastor Larry, is it possible that in the Bible, God, Yeshua, will call himself the morning star and call Lucifer, Satan, the morning star? Mm. That's impossible. That's an inaccurate translation. And so the word for morning in Hebrew is the word bokyo. The word for star in Hebrew is the word kochav. We don't find those words in Isaiah 14 mm, right. in the original Hebrew. Now, scholars have seen this. It's not something new. It's not something that I just pulled out. It's always been there. I document everything in my book. Scholars have seen this. It's just been masked by the Chaldean spirit. Now it's time to unmask this truth because Satan and his demons need to be exposed in yes. order for the body to be equipped for Yeshua's second coming. Without spending any days, Pastor Larry, we know that the time is near. We know that the time is short. Peter speaks about the morning star, preparing with the morning star. It's also in my book. And so it's the word kochav, habokio, morning star. We see the word shachav. The Bible says that Mary visited the tomb, and it was what? The Bible says it was dawn. It was shachav. Mm. That word shachav is the same word used in Isaiah 14 to describe Lucifer's name, or Lucifer is just a title. It's the translation right. in Latin. That's all it is. It's not a name. And so in Isaiah 14, where it says, Shacha ben Halel, Don, son of worship, and we go to the tomb where Yeshua resurrects from the dead, and it says, and Mary visited the tomb, and I'm paraphrasing, it was the first day of the week, and Mary visited the tomb, and it was what? Don. Very significant, very important. If you don't know the significant meaning of Isaiah 14, you miss this. That's exactly what the enemy wants. And so what's the significant meaning? When they visited the tomb, it was a foreshadow showing that Yeshua crushed Mm. Don, the worship leader, once and for all. That's why when they entered the tomb, it was Don. 
because he crushed Satan once and for all. He resurrected, slain before the foundation of the world. That's the message here. And that's why in Isaiah 14, it's covered, it's masked yeah. by the morning wow. star. But the true morning star crushed Satan, the worship leader. And in my book, I've documented that many Bible verses prove and show that Satan was a worship leader. That was his position in heaven. In the book of Psalms, I believe Psalms 108, I'm paraphrasing, it says that worship in heaven begins when? Begins at dawn. Hmm. And so when you think about this, Pastor Larry, when, when Yeshua rose from the dead, and then Mary visited the tomb, and it was dawn, there was worship going on in heaven. Because the Bible says that worship starts at dawn in the heavenly realm. For this reason, he was called Shachal, Don, because he was a worship leader. He was mm. a cherub. Wow. He was the head of worship. Wow. That's the reason that he's called Son of Don, the worship leader, not the morning star. Amen. So I get into all these things in my yes. book. I think it's very important and very crucial for the body of Yeshua to know this stuff because it brings Scripture to life and it unmasks this Chaldean spirit that's been running and, and sweeping the earth with this demonic outpouring. Well, Zev, this has been really exciting. Thank you so much for your book, for your ministry. May God continue to bless you. Well, thank you for having me, and let's continue to work the harvest together in these end times. And once again, I encourage the listeners to buy the book, Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit, because it really pinpoints all the locations of Yeshua's birth, Yeshua's resurrection, the real meaning behind Golgotha. Golgotha, what does it mean, Golgotha, and what does it mean, the place of the skull? And I think that it will not only bless many people, I think it will also bring forth the true gospel. Today in the Resource Center, we have a special two-book collection, Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit by Rabbi Zev Parad, and 315, The Genesis of All Prophecies by Rabbi Eric Walker. Order both Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit and 315 The Genesis of All Prophecies when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Now, here's Greg Patton, living in today's world, with a look at real beauty. Well, you certainly look good. You're more beautiful than I realized. Hey, been working out at the gym every day, understand, huh? You're looking pretty good. Think our culture is obsessed with external beauty nowadays? Oh, you know it is. As hard as we may try to improve that outward appearance, and we do, I was lamenting to my son last night. They've been jogging, so's my daughter. They're older, what, 30s, 40s? They're jogging up a storm. I used to do that until 2012 when I ruined my knee and had to have it replaced. And when you have new knees, you're not supposed to jog. So, hey, we all experience the effects of aging getting there. This is sagging and that's drooping and my goodness. Far more important, however, is that inner character, the beauty of the inner character, which lasts into all eternity. What do you think one of the most attractive inward qualities is in a person? Have you thought about that? Many believe that it's kindness. It goes a long way. No question about it. People characterized by kindness are what? They're considerate. They're loving. They're tender-hearted. They're very helpful. They're gentle. You want to be around those kind of people. Those on the other end of the spectrum are quick-tempered, and they're bitter, and they're crude, and rude, and demanding, and you don't want to be around those people. Basically, the difference has to do with 
whether one's focus is on self or others. God is characterized by kindness, is he not? Even to ungrateful and evil men, according to Luke 6.35. As Christians, you and I should be also putting on that attractive quality. From Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, we have the Holy Spirit within, and kindness is his fruit displayed in our words and actions. Authentic kindness does not depend on how others treat us, nor is it a manipulation to get what we want. A lot of people do that, including Christians. Kindness is a selfless quality. It really is. It's always considering others and what's best for others, whether those people deserve it or not. However, some people think that not standing up for themselves and their rights is a real sign of weakness today. But the question might be, which takes more strength in the world today? To be kind when you are mistreated and lash out, and it's easy to do. We all think very highly of ourselves, and when we come under some form of attack, of verbal or otherwise, yep, I'm going to have my say here, put in my two cents. One purpose of God's kindness is to lead people to repentance, according to Romans 2.4, to get that person saved. Would someone want to talk to you, be around you, and be willing to listen to you share the good news of Jesus Christ? And more importantly, would they then go with you and accept Jesus Christ as Savior? When we display kindness in our lives, God can use us to draw others to himself, which is the whole goal, getting people to Jesus Christ. You and I both know as we read our Bibles that the Christian life is built around the concept of sacrifice. Jesus Christ, he left the perfection of heaven, imagine that, to dwell among a very sinful people so that he might reconcile us to Almighty God. He offered up his life for our sake, and as believers, we're supposed to follow him, his example. Paul called it a living sacrifice because it's ongoing and it's repeated daily. How are you doing in that? And of course, we know that Paul, too, lived in a time when sensuality, the pursuit of pleasure, rebellion against the Lord were prevalent. In response, he wrote letters urging Christians not to follow the ways of the world. Still need to hear that today. Like those early believers, we are to pursue godliness. Romans 12, good reading today. Presenting our bodies to God, we need to do it. Our total being, mind, will, physical body, personality, emotions— we need to turn them all over to the Heavenly Father, James 4, 7. The Christian life built around the concept of sacrifice. Jesus Christ gave his life for our sake to make a payment for our sins, 1 John three sixteen, to bring us into the family. And as believers, we're supposed to follow his example, living sacrifice. Life's full of options this day. Many decisions involve a choice between following God's way or your way. Maturing Christians will increasingly sacrifice their own desires and embrace the will of God. A life of godliness characterized by a heart and a mind bent toward the things of Almighty God. Today in the Resource Center, we have a special two-book collection, Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit by Rabbi Zev Perat, and 315, The Genesis of All Prophecies by Rabbi Eric Walker. Order both Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit and 315, The Genesis of All Prophecies when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, evangelist Donald Perkins will warn us to be aware of false Christs in the last days. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com. Thank you.